0: Uh, when it comes to knowledge of the Bible, in our day and age, biblical literacy is, is quite low. I was on Facebook the other day and I saw a video of a guy uh, who was going around just asking random people walking down the street if they could quote to him just one Bible verse. They could quote to him just one Bible verse. And if they would, he'd, he'd give them money. And it's quite astonishing as I was watching that video how many people he has to ask before they can quote a verse to him. I mean, they, most can't even quote John 3.16, which we probably all have committed to memory because we've heard it so many times or we've seen it in so many places. And it's sad because you know, the Bible used to be at the foundation of Western culture. The Bible... Uh, has, has established the morals and, and the cultural norms that has, has really built the things many of these people are reaping the benefits of. And yet in their own minds, they just see the Bible as old, irrelevant, and an outdated book about fairy tales and myths that has no value for us today. And so why bother, I mean, knowing a Bible verse? Why bother reading the Bible. But there is one exception to that. There's, there's one verse that, that every um, you know, non-Christian, every backslider in the faith, likes to remind Christians of any time a Christian calls them out for being wrong or for being in sin. And can you guess what that verse is? Judge not, lest you be judged you know this verse has has become the trump card to silence anyone who would dare challenge someone in their sin now the question we have to ask is are they right you know are are christians not to judge others are, are we to simply worry about ourselves and our own sin and not call out as wrong the activity or behavior of other people you know, it is that the proper interpretation of judge not, lest you be judged? It's a common charge that is laid against the church from both inside the church, believers, and outside of the church, is that many Christians are judgmental. Many Christians are judgmental. And I think because this, this charge is common, and it's not just one to particular churches, We have to take that seriously and we have to see if perhaps we are thinking improperly about this topic of judging. And so today that's what we are going to be uh, looking at this morning. How should we as Christians think about this topic of judging? And so you can open your Bibles to Luke chapter 6. We're making our way through the book of Luke. And now we find ourselves in Luke chapter 6, verse 37, and I'll read uh, down to verse 42. So hear God's word, God's inerrant and inspired and authoritative word this morning. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use it, use, it will be measured back to you. He also told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take out the speck that is in your eye, when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye? Whoops! You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. So this passage is divided into two main sections, both of which center around this idea of judging. The first is a, is a warning against hypercritical judgment or judgmentalism. And the second is a warning against Hypocritical judgment, judging without first evaluating or seeking change in your own life. And so those are the the two points that we're going to look at today, hypercritical judgment and hypocritical judgment. Now before we get into our first point, I think it's important to to start off uh, defining what Jesus means by judge. We all come here with 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 probably mixed understandings as to what judging means. You know, judging might always have a, a negative connotation in your mind, or it might always you know, have a positive connotation in your mind in terms of justice or something along those lines. And so we want to be sure that, that we're working with the same biblical definition of judging. And then even as I go and say that, I admit that it, it's a little bit difficult to, to pinpoint this exact meaning of judging. The word uh, in, in Greek has various meanings based on its, its context. In some contexts, judging means to make a distinction between, to make a distinction between things, to, to judge right versus wrong. In other contexts, to judge means to form an opinion or a, a conclusion about something, to, to weigh the evidence and then come to a conclusion based upon that. And then in other cases, to judge carries a punitive component, to, to pronounce condemnation upon someone or something. And so judging can carry all of these, these meanings, but, but as you can see, there's kind of a, a similar thread that is running between all of them, and they're all related to one another. In order to condemn inaction, you must first judge that it is right or wrong in order to Judge that something is right or wrong. You must form an opinion or a conclusion about that thing. And so Jesus is using judging here in in this this full and and encompassing way in our passage. he's, He's talking about the idea of weighing, evaluating another person's attitudes, actions, or beliefs, deeming them sinful or wrong, and then implying condemnation because of that. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, well, I don't really see anything wrong with that. I mean, aren't we supposed to judge what is good versus what is evil? Aren't we supposed to preach and teach condemnation for sin? And so why does Jesus say, judge not? Well, it's because Jesus isn't going after judging in that sense, Jesus is going after the abuses and the sinful manifestations of judging we're going to take time to examine now. And so first, Jesus is speaking against hypercritical judging or, or what the Bible calls judgmentalism. Judgmentalism. Look at verse 37 and 38. Judge not, And you will not be judged. Condemn not and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use it, it will be measured back to you. So Jesus begins this section of his sermon here with that, that famous verse, judge not and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not condemn. Now, a few things to to note from this. You may remember from my introduction that I said this was every backslider's favorite verse. If someone doesn't like you, doesn't like that you have a problem with their lifestyle, they'll pull this verse out and essentially say, you are not allowed to tell me what I'm doing is wrong. Judge not, lest you be judged. But is that what, what Jesus is saying here? I, I, I don't think so. and Partly because of what Jesus says in the following verses. We'll get to this later, but essentially Jesus says that you need to make, make sure your own life is on track so that you can properly lead and judge and help others out. And Jesus, is, he's not contradicting himself here, saying don't judge in one verse and then go ahead and, 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 and judge by, by taking the, the, the sawdust out of another person's eye. He's, he's going after a certain type of judging that we aren't supposed to do. He's not, he's not contradicting himself. He's talking about righteous judgment and unrighteous judgment. And then on, on, on top of that, the Bible tells us in other places that we are to judge. Jesus says to the, the religious leaders, they have a problem with uh, some of the stuff that he's doing on the Sabbath. And Jesus says to them, stop judging by mere appearances. Instead, judge correctly. Judge correctly. Notice Jesus doesn't say, stop judging. He says, stop judging falsely and then go ahead and start judging correctly. And Christians are, are, are called to hold fast to what is good, to discern between good and evil, to not be unequally yoked, to judge in matters of church discipline to uh, approach brothers or sisters who are in sin and and kindly and gently rebuke them all of these things that we're called to do involve judgment and discernment that we need to be doing as christians and so all that to say jesus is not saying that christians should never judge or else uh, if he is saying that he's contradicting what the rest of scripture uh, says which God's word does not contradict itself. And so if that's not what he's saying, what then is Jesus saying? Well, Jesus here is going after an an overcritical judgmentalism. You know, being, a, being a person who is quick to pronounce judgment and condemnation on others, and yet slow to extend forgiveness and grace. That's why he pairs those two negatives uh, don't judge, don't condemn with the two positives. Uh, forgive and give. Jesus is, is, is going after this quick to, quick to judge and quick to condemn and yet a failure to, to extend forgiveness and to give and to give grace. Now, a really dangerous thing about the judgmentalism that Jesus is going after here is that if, if you're falling into this sin you probably don't see it. If you're falling into the sin, you probably don't see it. And that's because judgmentalism often disguises itself as zealousness you know, for righteousness and the truth, a, a, a desire for what is right and a desire for people to do what is right. And so it, it, it can hide itself within that kind of shield of of something that is is righteous. And and many sins are like that. It's not just judgmentalism. I mean, gossip often disguises itself as, you know, concern for others or a situation. Lust often disguises itself as as love for someone else and and, and so on. There's sin sin is tricky because it 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 takes what is good and it hides itself behind that and ends up condemning you. And that's what makes Judgmentalism really dangerous is, is we can be really blind to it in our own lives, and so for that reason, I want to give you some signs of judgmentalism so that, that you can maybe you can't see the judgmentalism in your heart, but maybe you can see the signs. It's like a disease that's that's internal. Sometimes you don't know that that disease is there until you start looking for the signs of that disease, and so here here are five signs. Uh, that you might be falling into the sin of judgmentalism. The first sign uh, is that your opinions, not God's word, becomes the standard of your judging. Your opinions, not God's word, becomes the standard of your judging. See, most of the areas where we judge others are not based on clear teachings of God's word, but it's areas where we form personal convictions or opinions. And now all of a sudden, you know, instead of Jesus or, or God's word being the example of righteousness, you know who becomes the example of righteousness? You do. You do. In, in, in essence, what you're saying is that you, know, you need to be more like me. That's what I'm calling you to. I'm calling to you to the standards that I have set, and you need to be more like me. And that's the very thing that Jesus warned the Pharisees about. You know, their own self righteousness that would damn them because they continued in it. And let me give you an example of this. The the other day I was in a conversation where someone was expressing their opinion uh, that you should that, that what you wear to church is very important. Now it's a the classic line you would you would never go and meet the president or the prime minister, or maybe the prime minister. You'd never go meet the president wearing you know, those clothes that you're wearing to church. So why are you coming dressed that way to meet with God? If you're doing that, it is very clear that you're being irreverent and that's wrong and and maybe even sinful. Now, that's not what I believe, but that is what what this person was essentially saying uh, in this conversation. And maybe you've heard that before. But what we need to ask, and and, and he's very clearly making a judgment upon others um, because of that, But what we need to ask ourselves is, is the Bible clear on what it is we should we should wear to church? Does the Bible say that your reverence for God is reflected in what you're wearing, or does it say your reverence for God is reflected in what your heart uh, and attitude is towards God? And so, this here would be an example of this making our opinion. Sure, you can have the opinion. that you should dress nice to go to church. And in fact, there's some truth. If someone is always coming, you know, very um, casually, uh, like church is kind of no big deal, then then that can reflect that there is some irreverence for God in their heart. So it, ca- it can be true. But to say that this is a blanket statement that, that people are in sin is the judgmentalism, is the actual sin uh, that that Jesus is... Warning against. And so the warning for us is be careful. You know, if you can't make a, a solid case from the Bible that something is wrong and, and sinful, then you, then you'd better be really careful pronouncing judgment and condemnation on someone over it. That's, that's prideful, that's self-righteous and, and, and God, appro- God opposes the proud. and he has nothing good to say for the self-righteous. So that's the first sign. Your opinions become the standard, not God's word. Second, uh, judgmentalism is marked by assuming the inner motives of the heart and judging based on that. You assume the inner motives of someone's heart and you judge based on that. The reality is we don't know why other people do or don't do what they do. We like to assume that we do, but most of the time we don't know. We don't know. And this leads to, to judging or forming conclusions without actually knowing the truth of the matter, without actually knowing the most important um, aspect to the truth of the matter. And that's wrong. It's as Proverbs 18, verse 13 warns. If one gives an answer before he hears, you know, maybe you see someone and you, you judge them without actually talking to them about you know, what's happening. If one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. It's his folly and shame. And Paul talks about this in the passage I read earlier, Romans 14. Romans 14 is a, is a very important passage when it comes to judging. In the church in Rome, there's two factions that have formed. Some are, are sticking to particular dietary laws and not eating certain foods and observing certain days, while another faction in the church sees freedom you know, to eat whatever they want, and, and, and they're steaming all days alike. And the issue is that, that both of these factions are now coming together, and they're judging one another. You know, the side that's abstaining from certain foods is, is judging the other side because they're not following the laws that are there. And the side that that is, abstain- that is uh, eating all foods is, is judging the other side saying, don't you recognize that you have freedom in Christ? Why are you binding yourself to those laws still? And so Paul rebukes both sides and he says, stop judging each other. The one who abstains, abstains in honor to the Lord, and the one who eats, eats in honor to the Lord. In other words, you know, what you don't know what is going on in that person's heart. They may be doing what they're doing in honor to the Lord. And that's what matters. And so, so stop judging one another and assuming that you know their heart. And we can do the same thing today. Let's take the example of the Sabbath. And the Sabbath is something that Christians disagree on. And no matter what side you're on, it's wrong to assume the, the motives of someone else in keeping or not keeping the Sabbath. You know, if, you, if you keep the Sabbath, it's, it's wrong to assume that people are not keeping the Sabbath just because, you know, they want to work, they love money, um, they, don't, they don't actually love God enough to set aside those things in their life. Now, that might be the case, but don't assume that to be the case. Or if you don't keep the Sabbath, it, 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 it's wrong to assume that someone is, is keeping the Sabbath because of some sort of legalistic activity. You know, they, they're only doing that, they're, they're binding themselves to something that's not binding anymore. They just think that they're going to earn their salvation by keeping the Sabbath. That might be the case. But don't assume it to be the case. And so we need to stop judging the inner motives of, of others' hearts. Now, moving on, a a third sign you might be falling into the sin of judgmentalism is that it's often the small things that irk you or set you off. And again, this is one of Paul's points in that same passage, Romans 14. He calls the issues of eating certain foods opinions or disputable matters. In other words, there's, there's freedom for disagreement on these things. And so stop trying to make them central marks of whether someone is a a good Christian or not. And the same applies doctrinally. Think of the areas in which you are tempted to condemn or to judge others for not holding the same view as you. Is it things like the Trinity? Is it things like the inerrancy and authority of Scripture? Is it things like the resurrection or the justification by faith alone? Or are the areas where you judge and condemn things like your end times view or your view about uh, abstaining or using alcohol or your view of the gifts or head coverings or vaccines or, or lying to Nazis when they come to your door asking for Jews. Now these, are, these are areas that often get us passionate or lead us to judge those who differ from us, but none of these things make someone a Christian. Someone can have completely different, on all of these things I mentioned, someone can have completely different views uh, from you on on all of them, and they are still a Christian if they hold fast to the key tenets of the gospel. John MacArthur, R.C. Sproul, Martin Luther, John Calvin, and yes, even the great and mighty Lucas uh, are all going to get to heaven. I'm kidding, by the way. Are all going to get to heaven and recognize we were wrong. We were wrong on certain things. No one is, is, is going to have everything perfect. And, and it's often these little things that we judge one another on. Now, I'm not saying that these things aren't important. They're very important. They're in God's word. They're important. And we should stand for truth and seek out the truth. But there's also freedom to disagree. And a mark of a, of a judgmental person is that they don't, they're not willing to extend uh, that freedom to others to disagree. A fourth sign you might be falling into the sin of judgmentalism is that you have an overcritical spirit. You have an overcritical spirit. Do you tend to, to look for and find fault in others? Now, regardless of the topic, you know, church, people in church, a person, your spouse, an event, or, or really anything, can you always find a way to be critical of it? Is there, is there always something that you can pick apart whenever someone says anything or ever someone does anything? And this one, it definitely plays itself out in the home quite a bit. You know, a wife that is hypercritical of her husband to the point that he doesn't think that he can do anything right is falling into the sin of judgmentalism. A father who is hyper-critical of his children never encouraging them, never congratulating them, but always you know, pointing out ways in which the child can improve. And this can, this can ruin relationships and, and bring a lot of hurt. If you've been on the receiving end of, of that type of relationship, you know, you know the hurt that I'm talking about. But I've spoken with many people who have, who have grown up and never once heard their father say to them, I love you. Or, or well done son. And that's, that's a big problem. That's a, that's a, that's a sign of, of judgmentalism and hypercritical judgment in your life. And it's also going to drive people away from you. And who here likes to be around a person with a critical spirit? And why, why would you? If all you ever do is get criticized for what you do or, or, or have to listen to them go and criticize others the whole time. And so we need to be, need to be careful uh, that we don't have this, this critical spirit within us. And then finally, the last sign of judgmentalism is a lack of desire to forgive or extend grace. In your life, there's a lack of a desire to forgive others or extend grace to others. In our passage, Jesus says, instead of judging and condemning, we ought to be quick to, f- to, to forgive and to give. You know, God has extended us A tremendous amount of forgiveness and grace he is patient with us when we are wrong he gives us time to change and to learn he picks us up when we when we fall down and he doesn't you know scream at us but he, he he helps us gently back upon our way and upon the narrow road and this is how we we should be with one another and we ought to do as, as Peter says and, and let love cover a multitude of sins. When a brother or sister in Christ sins or fails to live up to their Christian callings and duties, you need to ask yourself, what is my initial response to that? Is my initial response to, to encourage them, to forgive them, to extend to them the same grace that God has extended me? Or is it to judge and condemn them right away. Because your answer to that is going to determine whether or not you're falling into the sin of judgmentalism. And so there you have it. Five signs that this sin might be in your life and that you need to turn away from it. Maybe as I was going through this list, you realize that, yeah, this is a sin I struggle with. I know, I know it is one that, that I have to be cautious with in my own life. And hopefully, if you are struggling with it, the, the Lord will allow you to see that, uh, that you can turn to him for grace and forgiveness. You see, there's, there's grave consequences to, to continuing in, in this sin unrepentantly. Jesus says, judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. And then later on, he says, for the measure that you use it will be measured back to you. Essentially, the standards that you're putting, if you're always judging, always condemning, you know, God is, is, is going to, to if, if you're going to be super critical, God's going to be super critical of you. You can't say, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm not going to extend grace to others, but I want God to extend a lot of grace to me. Sorry, but that's not how it works. If we, if we don't extend grace, why, why would you expect God to extend any, to you, And that's not to say that we're saved by our works or that we somehow, you know, earn the grace of God through not judging others or through extending forgiveness. But it is to say that a person who truly understands the grace and forgiveness that God has given them will go and do likewise. That's, that's the parable of the, the unforgiving servant right there. God had forgiven him a tremendous debt and yet he didn't understand it. And so he wasn't actually forgiven because he wouldn't go and forgive others. And so we, we do this, not perfectly, but we're called to do this increasingly. And Jesus says that there's a reward for that. There's a punishment if we don't, but there's a reward if we do. He uses an analogy regarding filling up a container with grain in verse 38. And he says, good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your lap. See, in the marketplace, if you went to the marketplace to get grain, uh, they'd give you a container, and they'd fill it up with a good measure, and if they were a generous, giving person, they would then press down the grain that was in there, get, it, get, the, get the sack all, all spread out. Uh, then they would shake the sack to make sure it all falls down to the bottom, and then they would add even more to the point that it was filling up and running over and Jesus is saying to us that that's what that's what God is going to do to us if we're going to abstain from this this type of judgmentalism that is sinful and if we are going to instead extend forgiveness and grace God is going to abundantly bless you for that that's his promise and so I exhort you this morning as someone who's you know is, is along the same path as you, working towards that same goal, to turn away, turn away from the sin of judgmentalism and be someone defined by forgiveness and grace in all the relationships in your lives. Now moving on to the second point of the sermon, uh, don't worry, it's a, it's a quicker point. We see that Jesus is going to go after judging now from a second angle. So the first angle he came after it was this idea of hypercritical judging, uh, being someone who just, that's what you do. All you do is judge. All you do is condemn. Uh, And then the second angle he's going to go after it is someone uh, who is hypocritical. So hypercritical and hypocritical in our judgment. Look at verses 39 to 42. He also told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Brother, let me take out the speck that is in your own eye, when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrites! First, first, Take, this, take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. Now there are a few things that we can note from this, this, this section of Jesus' sermon. First, Jesus is saying this in the context of leading and helping others. You know, part, of, part of being a good leader, part of being a good teacher is that you have to do a level of judging. A teacher, a a leader, um, has to do some sort of level of judging. As the father and leader of my, my household, I have to discern for my family things that are right things and things that are wrong things based off of God's word. When my children disobey, I have to judge that sin as wrong, as a violation of God's word, and then exercise godly discipline. And what Jesus is, is saying here is that, you know, if you, are, if you are blind yourself to sin, especially sin in your own life, how in the world are, are you going to do this? How in the world are you going to properly lead? If a, if a blind person leads a blind person, then he says, what happens? You know, one falls into the pit and the other doesn't know even know that that's happened and falls into the pit themselves. And so you need spiritually discerning eyes if you're going to lead others to repentance. And then in terms of application of this, this principle, uh, it doesn't just apply to leaders. It applies to everyone. You know, if, if you want to be a good, a good uh, fellow church member, if you want to, to help others walk in holiness, if you want to lead others to, to love the Word of God and to hate their sin, if, if you want to lead your children to cherish the Lord Jesus, Jesus is saying you have to be doing this all yourself. You, 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 have to be, you have to be doing these things. You can't be a father who desires or, or a mother who desires their children to live and love living the Christian life and, and you know respecting their siblings, playing well with them. But then all of a sudden you yourself go and and argue with your spouse in the kitchen for an hour yelling and screaming at each other. You can't expect your children to have a desire to go to church and to worship God and to gather with the fellow saints when you yourself don't make that a priority. As Jesus says, a disciple is not above his teacher. In other words, rarely is the disciple going to rise above the standard that the teacher has set by their own example. And so Jesus here is warning us, we need to get our own act together if we're going to lead others in righteousness, which is what we're called to do. This leads to the second point about judgment. Jesus reaffirms here that judging is is not necessarily wrong. What is wrong is hypocritical judgment. And Jesus uses a somewhat kind of funny, it's meant to be like a ridiculous analogy. He says, imagine you have someone and they've got a little piece of sawdust in their eye. How are you possibly going to be able to, to see that sawdust and remove that sawdust if you yourself have a log in your own eye? You know, if you've got this massive thing that's blocking you so you can't see, how, how could you ever possibly help someone else? And the obvious answer is that you can't. You, know, you need to take that big plank, that big log out of your own eye, and once you've done that, then you can see better to help out your brother or sister who has sawdust in their eye. And so Jesus' point is this if you want to help others, if you want to lead others well, if you want to encourage them in their walk with the Lord, be a good fellow Christian, you need to be make, making sure that you're not being a hypocrite. You need to make sure you're not a hypocrite. You need to be sure that, that if you're telling your spouse to be a better spouse, you, know, you need to be being a good spouse yourself. See, so we all have this, this tendency to be hard on other people but lacks on others, but, but lacks on ourselves. If I'm, you know, if I'm not reading my Bible, there's a good reason for that. But if you're not reading your Bible, well, it's because you're lazy and because you don't actually love God. You see, we, we, we're hypocrites like this. You know, we, we give ourselves the benefit of the doubt, but we don't extend the benefit of the doubt to others. We're, we're hard on others, but when it comes to us, we can excuse our own sin. And so stop applying different standards to yourself than you do to others. And it's not that you shouldn't care, What I don't want you to walk away from this is be like, okay, so I just don't care about other people's sins. That's not what I'm saying. It's not that you shouldn't care. You should care. That's part of your responsibility. If, you are, if you're a member in this church, if you're part of this church, part of your responsibility is to care about other people's sins. I want all of you guys to care about my sin. If I fall into sin, I want you all to care about my holiness and relationship with God. But what Jesus is saying here is though, though you should care about other sins, you should care more about dealing with your own sin. If there's sin in your own life, if there is a log in your own eyes, deal with that. Repent of that. Get your own life in order so that you can properly judge and encourage your brothers and sisters in Christ. And so in conclusion, guys, judging judging is not the problem. We're continuing to exercise discernment over right and wrong. We're to call sin, sin, and evil, evil. If someone comes up to you and let's say you're speaking out against abortion or you're speaking out against you know, homosexuality and they say to you, judge not lest you be judged. Now there's zero validity. Zero validity to their claim. We judge what the scriptures judge and say what the scriptures say. But where we all need to be careful is that we do not become judgmental and hypocritical. That's what Jesus is warning all of us, all of us in this room against. Jesus has a lot to say. He's got a lot to say for those who who exude this type of judgmentalism, uh, hypocritical attitude, self-righteousness. And often, it often leads to condemnation. And so instead, let us be humble people. Let us be people who stand on the truth of God. Let us be people who, who extend freedom where freedom is given. Let us be people who are quick to forgive when our brothers and sisters fall into sin. Let us be people who are quick to extend the same grace that God has extended to us through the Lord Jesus Christ. And let us do all of these things as a reflection of what Christ has come and done on the cross for us. Not holding our sins against us, but instead letting love cover a multitude of sins. And so let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you that you are the God of all justice. And Lord, that one day you will judge every single sin and you will bring every careless word, every uh, sinful deed, every wrong act to judgment. And Lord, give us wisdom as Christians, as your ambassadors here on, on earth, um, how to navigate these difficult waters of, of not being overjudgmental, but also God um, calling sin, sin, and righteousness, righteousness. Lord, we thank you for Christ. We thank you that... Um, uh, he did not hold our sin against us. Not that he excused sin, uh, but he came and he took sin upon himself uh, and he let us walk free. Lord, I pray that you would help us um, in our marriages, with our children, with our neighbors, with those that we disagree with, Lord, and especially within our own church uh, that we would not uh, judge and condemn one another, Lord, apart from uh, where, you have, where you've called us uh, to judge. Lord, that we would not be um, people who are overly critical, people who are hypocritical, but that we would be a reflection uh, of, of what Christ has given us, of his example and his word. And so we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.